Welcome to Busted Biscuits. I'm Jen Stanley. And I'm Jill Super. And today we are continuing our trust series and talking about attachment styles. And today we are talking about the anxious attachment style. Kicking it off. Yes. yes. So we, like the last episode, um, we spent some time like explaining like why attachment styles even mattered, like mm-hmm. where they came from and like how it impacted um, where we're at today relationally. And like, I'm still like reeling in that whole um, parenting thing and like the style of parenting. And it's like that you shouldn't, like you could over love on your kid. (laughs) Overloaded my brain. (laughs) Right? Like you can over, you can be overly affectionate. And it's like, I mean, yeah, probably, you know, like maybe they're, (laughs) if you're like loved up on them all the time, but like, you know, to withhold though, withhold love, like that physical affection, like that, that was like, that's what everyone talked about. And they trained each other to do like, I'm like, that just breaks my heart. Well, and knowing how, how it is today, right? And how mm-hmm. we're so confused about how much to love and how how little to love yeah. and all of those things just makes me think, just hug your baby. Right. <laughs> right. Just say I love you. And if you're like if you start when they're little, it makes it easier, yeah. you know. And so And if you've never said it to someone, oh, it's always yeah, the first time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. I've often said like you don't want your your daughter's wedding day to be the first time you say I love you. Right. You oh know? yeah. Yeah. Oh. Where, you, mm-hmm, where you can't get it out. Like it's, this should be something that you know happens more regularly. Absolutely. Even if it's just uncomfortable, it's mm-hmm. important. So anyway, so talking about how like attachment happens or doesn't happen, I think has been really interesting. Agree. Yeah. So then today we want to talk about the anxious style of attachment. Mm-hmm. And so like this is 20% of the population. And this is someone like that worries a lot about the relationship and like their, their worry then shows up in how they interact with someone. Got it. Okay. So where we're getting this from is that book attached. Yes. It's by, um, Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. And so this, again, this link is on our um, website. So bustabiscuits.us, go to the podcast and then you'll find show notes there and um, you can find the book there. And then we, there also is like a quiz that you can take. Uh, we'll have a link for that or we do have a link for that and you can figure out what style you are. So mm-hmm. feel free to go check that out. So, you know, and then in the book, particularly it talks about how to f- tell what style you are, but then also what your partner is so that you know what you're dealing with. Interesting. interesting. Yeah, it is. It totally is. So for the anxious style. So the anxious person that's with the anxious attachment style that possess a unique ability to sense when your relationship is threatened, even a slight hint that something may be wrong will activate your attachment system. And once it's activated, you're unable to calm down until you get a clear indication from your partner that he or she is truly there for you and that the relationship is safe. Hmm. What do you think? Well, I, I laugh. I was in my head. I was thinking spidey senses. I know. Mm. Um, but then you got to the point where it said that, you can't calm down until you get a clear indication from your partner that he or she is truly there for you. And mm-hmm. that made me feel sad. Like you need mm-hmm. that reassurance in order to be reassured in your relationship. Mm-hmm. Anxious. Yeah. It's like you're, yeah. It's hard. Yeah. You, you kind of freak out a lot. Yeah. So the anxious style loves to be very close to their romantic partner. And they've got the capacity for great intimacy. Like they're really good at connecting. Like they can talk about their feelings and they can talk about how they, what they think and like share like life things. Mm-hmm. That's because that's super important to them. So they want to be very close, but they often fear that the partner does not wish to be as close to them as they want to be. Mm. So like they want, they're just like craving for this connection, but they fear that the partner doesn't want that. Okay. And so then relationships tend to consume a large part of their emotional energy. Uh, yeah, I can imagine. Takes Absolutely. over their life. And then they tend to be very sensitive to small fluctuations in the partner's moods, actions. And then they they sense it, their their senses are accurate about what they think is happening, but they take the partner's behavior too personally. 
So like they can notice that there's a shift and a change, which it could be that they need to have a snack, you know, or they need a nap. (laughs) You know, or or something stressful There's at work happens. Reason for that, right? Yeah, yeah they, they stump their toe. You know, <laughs> something, and so then their mood shifts, and so then that anxious partner, like, totally notices and like, oh crap, what did I do? Like, I've done something that makes them not want to be yeah. around me, and like they they panic. Yeah. And so when there's could be a whole myriad of reasons why the mood has shifted, they to- absolutely take it personal. <laughs> so they sper- experience a lot of negative emotions within the relationship and get really easily upset. Then as a result, they tend to act out and say things they regret. So like they, they are really reactive. Okay. And so with like the avoidance seems to want to not have a lot of feeling and a lot of um, up and down, which we'll talk about in the next episode. But um, the, the anxious person like almost thrives on that, that emotion. Like, you know, this, this reactivity, this it's like, like a lot of drama. Oh, yeah. These are the kind of people that would be really great on um, television shows on reality, re- reality TV. TV, right? Because they're the ones that are like ready to throw the food that are mad and, you know, and, and having a cow about something. And so oh, these are the goodness. people that you want on those kind of shows. <laughs> There's probably some sort of pre-screening before you get on. Oh, I'm sure. Like, yeah. Are maybe you they create should... it or not? How, what's your you're attachment style? Yeah. So <laughs> can't be too boring. If you're anxiously attached, you're the one for us. <laughs> <laughs> so they can make it exciting. Um, And then if the person provides a lot of security and reassurance, however, you're able to shed much of your preoccupation and feel contented. So if the partner is able to meet the the needs of the anxious person, Mm -hmm. then they can kind of like chill out and relax. But if not, then there's going to be a lot of reactivity. Okay. Not interesting? It is interesting. So what do you think about that? Well, I was just thinking about my relationship early on in my marriage and how that would apply, Mm -hmm. right? Like, husband was very good at reassuring me, but I probably exhibited a lot of these a lot of these behaviors. I know for sure the feelings were there, right? Like I just needed to know. I always needed to know. I felt like I always needed to know that he yeah. was going to love me. Uh-huh. He did a very good job at supporting me through that. But um, yeah, looking back, I'm thinking how crazy was our relationship, yeah. right? Like You could have been not, a reality show. Not crazy. I could have probably. Yeah. Listen, I think I've actually <laughs> thrown things and done done some crazy oh, things. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, this is okay. What about We're, in your friendships? Can you say anything about an anxious style in your friendships? Or oh, do yeah. You think- I was wanting to please. Mm. I was wanting to be like, oh, you know. Oh, yeah. And relate in some way. Yeah. Connect. Find a way to connect and be like, oh, yeah, I had that happen too. Uh-huh. I used to do a lot of that. Uh so now, you know, paying attention to some of those things as I start to like interject yeah. into a conversation, like, eh, I'm going to let that one go. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to, I don't have to have the same experience in order to connect to someone. Yeah. Yeah. I think I can see it like with that, that fluctuation in mood and like picking up on it. And there's been times that I've read it and go, oh no, what did I do? What did I say? Did I do something that makes them not want to hang out with me? Yeah. You know, like overly anxious mm-hmm. about what's going on. And so I, I've definitely experienced that in friendships. Well, and if you're not, like if it, if it's not a... I'm going to go to trust, right? Because we're talking about trust. And if yeah. it's not a trusting relationship, you have a much harder time gauging that, like enga- mm-hmm. like gauging where you're at in that. So if this is someone new that you're engaging with, there's there's like normal level of anxious, I would think. Yeah. And then there's like, I'm knee deep in this, like hip deep, you know, yeah. chest deep. And now uh-huh. we're like, I still don't know. I'm yeah. still not confident. So I, I feel like there is, there's different levels of this. Some of it may mm-hmm. be Maybe a normal reaction, but then some of it really is truly like you're in this person, this this attachment style, right? Like this is yeah. this is who you are, and you right. kind of figure out how to be more secure, right? And so I think it's important for people to notice that, and like when you realize mm-hmm. that this is your style, and, and you could see yourself in these things, yep. you know, I think that's huge for being able to change it. Like you gotta acknowledge it and see it. Go, oh man, I see myself in this. Yes, I gotta do it. So there was this 
a, a movie study, a morph movie study, where they showed clips of faces that were like neutral, and then they like changed the emotion to like anger, and then like went back to neutral. So like their facial expressions did this, and so the participants were like instructed to stop the movie the moment that they perceived a change in the emotion, like as soon as they could tell, like that there was there was a shift. So. And the study found that those with anxious attachment styles were more likely to perceive the emotional change earlier than other people. So cool. This, yeah, yeah, work. this is a good one. <laughs> so, you know, with an anxious attachment style, you pick up on those subtle cues yep. of things that are shifting. And so like, that's a good skill, especially as a people person, that's important to be able to notice and pick up on that. Um, but then the anxious styles were way more vigilant to change the emotions than the other styles. So like they, they could tell what was up. And so then the other attachment styles weren't near as tuned in. And so I think that's interesting, yeah. you know, and so that's a good, but anxious styles tend to, to jump to conclusions too quickly. That makes so much sense. Right. Because they, 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 um, assess that change and then they're like, oh my gosh, what did I do? You know, oh, yep. they're mad at me because I brought them coffee and I didn't put enough sugar in it. Now they're mad and won't talk to me. What, you know, whatever. And so like they jump to these reasons as to why it is the way it is. Mm -hmm. And so then what they showed is that if they wait and required that the anxious style participants waited a little longer before reacting, they found that the participants were more accurate regarding the cause of the change. So they're saying if, <laughs> if they could like wait just a second and to kind of think about it and, and sit in it, then they were more, they could use their spidey senses, their <laughs> sensitivity to like really assess what was going on around them. But when they jumped to conclusions too quickly, then that was problematic. Oh, yeah, because you're just immediately internalizing and, like, beating yourself up. And yes. I, can, I can hear the barrage of questions in my head. I've done that before. Yes. Like, oh, what did I do? How do I fix this? How am I going to get out of this? Like, uh -huh. what, what, what else can I do to make it better, right? Like, how do I how do I shift this back? The reality is, I mean, we probably need to pause here and say the reality is none of these, these um, going back and forth like this, right? Uh -huh. Like, people experience normal emotions. Yeah. It's normal for people to go through an emotional response to something. Yeah. Um, but how you how you focus on that and how you learn from it and gain, mm -hmm. you know, gain knowledge about the person that you're interacting with uh -huh. um, is, is how you get to healthy relationships. So while we say, you know, this is, this is a rough place to be, um, A, you don't have to be stuck there. And, yep. and B, it's not that it's bad but it could be so much better so why yep. not why not work towards it right and yes absolutely. i don't want anybody to feel bad about like no oh, this is me oh my gosh how, how do you know how did i get here it's just about awareness absolutely and absolutely. knowing hey this is something i could work on and change if it's impacting their relationships yes which it likely is yes right i'm sorry uh, yeah that's okay i think that's important <laughs> to, to note and so then the book encourages anxious styles to wait and not jump to conclusions too quickly because when they wait they will have an uncanny ability to read the environment around them and use it to their advantage and so <laughs> waiting it out and not creating a narrative so oftentimes I'll talk to my clients and I definitely do this for myself oh my goodness is like when I jump to a conclusion about oh this is happening this is why that I'll stop and say okay wait what's the evidence yeah as evidenced by what what evidence is there to say that this is why this changed happened yep you know and if I can't find any you know then it's like <laughs> well you know or the other question I'll ask like is this real though like this is how I feel but is this real and so really stopping and assessing what you see and like it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a biblical principle, basically, like, take every thought captive, like, take a minute and, like, chew on and look at it, look at your thought and go, well, is this real? Do I need to hang on to this? Or, you know, is there truth here? And if not, I need to let go of it. Yeah, you've even said once before that, like, you said it out loud, and then you thought, okay, that was, that doesn't make Yeah, like, sense. that's crazy. Why would I think, <laughs> I think that? that? Yeah, and so, the, <laughs> but yeah. But it was rattling around your head. It was. It, it, it made, it made sense in your brain. Right? And then when you say it out loud, <laughs> like, that is nuts. Why would I think that? And so, um, yeah, so just understanding, like, don't jump to conclusions. Like, right. that would be 
a really helpful shift for someone that's dealing with an anxious attachment style. Yeah. And and when we say don't jump to conclusions, it's not always you, right? Yeah. Like, because a lot of times I feel like identifying in some of this that I always put the onus on me, the blame on me, the, yep. the everything on me, right? I carried yep. that weight and I, and, and giving pause will allow you mm-hmm. to stop and make sure you understand you know, there's a chance that it could be you for yep. whatever reason because you've been interacting, but there's there's a you know a chance that it isn't. So give right. the fifty fifty option and mm-hmm. not the hundred percent. It's me. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I can apply this to my youngest daughter, Claire. And so Claire Bear is what we call her because it rhymes, right? And so sometimes <laughs> she is a bear. Like if that baby girl does not eat. Oh my word. <laughs> she's so mean. And so like, you know, like as she's gotten older, she's gotten meaner. And so like, understand, <laughs> I'm serious. And so recognize and like, you need to go eat something right now. Right. You know, instead of like going, why is she so, what did I do that made her mad? Like made yeah. her be so mean. It's like, oh, you need a snack, you know? So, <laughs> so, and then inevitably the kid eats and she's not mad anymore, Aww. you know? And so it's like recognizing that, that that's what's going on is important. But like, you know, maybe when she's in a relationship and she's older, you know, and she snaps at someone and they don't realize that it's because she's hungry, you know, yeah. then, uh, then they take that on and then they're like, what did I do to, to cause this? And so, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So those kind of things I think is important. That's a great example. It is feed that kid. So (laughs) activating strategies. So these are things that uh, thoughts or feelings that compel you to get close physically or emotionally to your partner. And so we're going to go through a list of these strategies that um, people with an anxious attachment style tend to use to regain closeness. And so it's more like a trigger, I think like they the book called it a strategy, I really feel it's more of a trigger. So if these behaviors are happening, if you're engaging in these behaviors, then you're going to feel the need to try to get closer to your partner. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. So when, if you spend a lot of time thinking about your partner and you have difficulty concentrating on other things, like if you're preoccupied with a relationship, then you're going to find, you're going to need to get closer to them. Like you're thinking about them all the time. And so you feel compelled to get closer to them. Okay. So, or, yep. Or remembering only their good qualities. Like this often happens, Mm. like after you've broken up with them, you know, Mm. like they're amazing, you know three weeks after you broke up with them. <laughs> like, I, you know, I forgot that this was so great. They did these things. And so you forget. It's similar to like when you have a baby. We talked about this before. Yes. Like you have a baby and right when you, after you have a baby, like this was so much work. I don't ever want to have a baby again. But like in, as time goes on, you're like, you know, it wasn't so bad. <laughs> you can do that again. Yeah, those babies are so cute. You know, when they get here, you know, and then you do it again. You're like, what? Yes, this is crazy. You know, and so it's the same principle. I don't know that it has to take you nine months to think, you're, you know, <laughs> but like you, you only remember like the good things, the yeah. good moments of, of a hard time. Got it. Okay. You also have a tendency to put them on a pedestal, like you're underestimating your talents and abilities and overestimating theirs. Have you ever done that? Put oh, someone- yeah, I can see how I've done that in work relationships and uh-huh. friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, Any example you can share? Eh, not really. Oh, okay. But, okay. But no, I can see, I can definitely see how that can happen. Like, you know, and this comes from the a little bit from insecurity, right? Like yeah. the anxi- the, in the anxious style, like you you don't think yourself of yourself as highly as you do of the other people, and you put the onus on them to make your worth make uh-huh. you feel more like you're worth you're worth something, and so you know that automatically kind of happens. You put them above yourself. Yeah, so, I can see that very easily. Yes, and so like when those people are happy with you, then you're happy with yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know what? I can struggle with that when it comes to like uh, leadership people. Like when people are in leadership over me, like I, you know, it's important to me that they're happy with me. And so then I can put them on a pedestal and think that their opinion is more important than my own. Oh, okay. Like that makes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, uh, Lord knows I'm working on that, you know? (laughs) And so then, and I've gotten a lot better, but I've not conquered it yet. I'm close, I'm closer, but I'm not there yet. Um, Okay. Then also an anxious feeling that goes away only when you're in contact with them. 
So like you feel anxious all the time. And so then when you're with them, you calm down. And so then like, that sounds like smothering. So like someone that's got got to be with you. Uh, is I've that never, you? I've, I've felt that way. Really? Yes. Okay. Even even like, uh, late, not lately, lately, but like I felt that way with my husband. Uh, a lot of times when he's not around, uh-huh. I'll be like, uh, I, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know what's wrong with me. And he'll come home and I'll be like, oh. Okay, I feel I feel better now. Uh-huh. It's just a physical presence, but it's very strange. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You just feel better. Okay. Yeah. When you're in contact with him. Okay, so believing that this is your only chance for love, as in I'm only compatible with very few people. What are the chances I will find another person like him or her? Or it takes years to meet someone new. I'll end up alone. So then like you you strive for closeness when you have these thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, these yeah. triggers. Um, believing that mm-hmm. even though you're unhappy, you, you better not let go. As in, if she leaves me, she'll turn into a great partner for someone else, right? <laughs> like I've heard, I've heard that in this office before. People saying, "Oh, I don't want to let him go because what happens if they turn? They make changes." And the next one, <laughs> he can change. Or all couple, couples have problems. We're not special in this regard. Like, like kind of like making excuses, excuses yeah, yep, for those things. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I think we can see ourselves in that sometimes. Yeah, you know, for e- sure. Again, even in friendships, so not just romantic relationships, we can see that, you know, making excuses for someone so that we're not alone. Well, then I go back to like what we were talking about just a little bit ago, like where we said, you know, it's it's somewhat normal to mm-hmm. have a little bit of anxiousness, but you have to be able to rein yourself back in and say, okay, is this realistic? Like you said, is there any truth in this? Do yeah. it, You know, is this really something I should be worried about? And, and kind of moving forward in that. A lot of times we just let that anxiety kind of sit and like stew and spin and yes. then it just gets worse and worse and worse and we become we become worked up and we're like ah and that's where the 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 next stuff that you're going to talk about yeah (laughs) well and so then yeah the next stage is about something called protest behaviors and so what happens is that whenever you um are feeling slighted in some way from your partner Mm-hmm. then this you tend to engage in these particular behaviors as a means to try to regain closeness. And so I, <laughs> it's really like a push-pull. Like as I go yeah. through and read them, you can see like these are the things that like push you closer to them and these are the cl- things that pull you away that you're hoping then they chase after you. So it's like these back and forth. Anxious. It yep. Is. Yeah. I mean, we all want to be chased after, but uh-huh. probably not in this, this way. <laughs> Unless you're avoidant. Avoidants not, do not want to be chased this after. This is true. This yep. is true. <laughs> Which we will talk about on the next episode. Okay. So protest behaviors are any action that tries to reestablish contact with your partner and get their attention. Often it is any action that can jolt your partner into paying attention to you. Like I see these a lot, like particularly in junior high. Like, you know, I think mm-hmm. about this, like those junior yeah. high girls, you know. Um, but then I think adults do it too, you know, so it's not just there, but I definitely, there are subtle ways that that it still happens. Yes. So, um, these protest behaviors, excessive attempts to reestablish contact by calling or texting or emailing many times, waiting for a phone call. This one's scary, scary, loitering by your partner's workplace in hopes of running (laughs) into him or her. When we were doing the prep for this, I said, Jen, does this, does this lead to stalking behavior? And like, like, potentially. You know, I, like that. I mean, maybe. It kind of sounds stalkery. Like waiting, you know. That's kind of interesting. Um, or this is, that would be the like trying to engage them. Here's one, a withdrawing. Sitting silently engrossed in the paper. Literally turning your back on your partner. Not speaking. Talking with the other people on the phone or ignoring him or her. Like it's almost like a pound. Like, mm, I'm, not, I'm not acknowledging yeah. you. Yeah. Okay, so but I can see points in my life where I've done this, so I just oh, have heck to yeah. laugh at it now. Yeah, sure. Like, oh boy, I've definitely that. done that. <laughs> well, and I'm sure I know I've done it in friendships. You know, that mm-hmm. like your feelings are hurt or whatever, and like you, you know, you pull away from them and you completely ignore them. You know, mm-hmm. in in hopes that they're going to try to reengage you. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the next one is keeping score. 
paying attention to how long it took them to return your phone call and waiting just as long to return theirs, waiting for them to make the first makeup move and acting distance until such time as that happens. That's so sad. But I hear this a lot. I hear this a lot. Like, well, they, they waited like two days to call me. And so then I'm going to wait two days to call them back. And so it's like, they don't want to look too eager. And so, Mm -hmm. so let's be fair. Like in January, I'm going to have been married 25 years. I didn't, whenever we were dating, like we had cell phones, but you didn't have text messages yet. Right. And our, actually, I think I've said this before, like whenever we got married, we got rid of one of our cell phones because like, well, we're together all the time. We don't both need a phone, <laughs> which like the thought of that now is like, that is insane. But Sharing I, a phone. Oh my gosh. Like I definitely remember getting rid of it, you That's know? So and so, yeah, it's kind of nuts. But, um, so like, this isn't anything that I've engaged in as you know, like for a dating relationship to really know like what's appropriate, what's not. I often as will ask my people like, so tell me what's, what's the going thing? Like, how does this work? And so like, I know like you don't want to double text. Like that seems to be an issue. Like they don't want to be overly interested. Mm-hmm. Like there's all these rules. And it's like, I would totally stink at that because <laughs> I just like, Hey, what's, why are you answering? Yeah, what's like, wrong with you? How many times do I text you like eight texts in a row? I'm like, hello, you know, so <laughs> where were you? It's like, why are you working and ignoring my phone call? Oh Why do gosh. you need to keep a paycheck? Just answer me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so you know, I think that there's, there's, I don't want to say there's rules, but there's definitely like these social expectations that people live by. And I don't know if they should or not. Let's, because yeah, I think with a text, game, it feels like such a game. It is a game. Silly. Yeah. So well, and I think that like you end up sending mixed messages that way. Yeah. You know, just we get to the bottom of this. Get your, just be yourself. That's what needs to happen. Don't worry Bust about those biscuits. things. Bust those biscuits. Okay. <laughs> the next one is acting hostile, rolling your eyes when they speak, looking away, getting up and leaving the room while they are talking. That like I think the teenagers, the teenage girls mm-hmm. in my life have definitely done those things. Yes. Then they get in trouble for walking out. So, um, <laughs> but that, like that sounds like strict household. <laughs> well, you know, well maybe. So like you know, rolling your eyes like that's really rude. You know, when someone's trying to tell you something and, and then you're like, you know, anyway, because <laughs> you're trying to get them to re-engage you. Yes, I understand though. In the, terms of ang- anxious. Yes. yes. When you're anxious. Yep. You're trying, you're like showing, make, making these, um, well, just acting the certain way to try to get them, get their attention. I was just going to say to get their attention or to, to, to cause them to react in some way so that you know that they're still engaged with you. Which yeah. Is, yeah. Game playing. Mm. Okay. The next one, threatening to leave or making threats. We're not getting along. I don't think I can do this anymore. Or, I knew we weren't really right for each other. Or, I'll be better off without you, all the while waiting for them to stop you from leaving. Right? Like, oh. (laughs) This is where my first seven years of my relationship with my husband were. Aw. It's very sad. Okay. It was. You kept threatening to leave him? Yeah. I'm like, or I told him, I'm just waiting for you to leave, right? Like, one or the other. Yeah. We we shouldn't be together. We shouldn't be together. We shouldn't be together. Constantly. And he was so good about reassuring, but mm, yeah. This one's hitting home. Okay. Okay. Any more about that? No, just, just trust what they well, tell you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I think that's important. That last sentence, you're doing all these things while waiting for them to stop you from leaving. Mm-hmm. It's like you're putting them to a test. You're testing them to say, you know, do you care enough about me to chase after me? I would say that I did that for years. Mm-hmm. Yes. I would yeah. own that. Like that was a test. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I had had, I mean, history up to that point for probably uh, it was like 10 years uh, just kind of kept repeating over and over and over again oh you're not going to stay you're going to walk away when I say this to you and so walk away okay fine because yeah. we're at that point and so I just kept waiting and he didn't yeah which is good that is good yeah we like him <laughs> uh manipulations so acting busy or unapproachable ignoring phone calls saying you have plans when you really don't mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of that's pretty common that people do that you know and like try to act aloof 
Oh, I like that word. Yeah. And so I, I discourage that behavior. Like, I think it's okay to have a boundary and not to be like overly interested, you know, like, like to not look, well, I guess overly interested or, or overly available, but I don't know that you need to be like completely closed off. Like, I think there's like this happy line that you should kind of maintain. Thing, happy line in the middle of it all. Yeah. yeah. So, and then the last one is trying to make him or her feel jealous by making plans to get together with an ex for lunch, going out with friends to a single bar or Ooh. telling your partners about someone who hit on you today. That's... That seems harsh. Yeah. Although, I don't know. That seems harsh. Like, I, I don't think I could do that. That's me. Like making someone feel jealous? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's just not, that's not my thing. Yeah. Like, I want to feel loved, but I don't want to make you feel bad about yourself, mm-hmm. I guess was where I was at in this. But but I, that makes sense, right? Like, it's just another way to push them away to have them come running after you. Well, I think it's more about like trying to make them see like, hey, someone else wants me. So if you don't want to come fight for me, someone else is going to get me. Okay. You know, like I'm desirable in other places, so... You should see that. Okay. And so like when you when someone else wants me, you think that's going to make them want you to. Yeah. Yeah. That's not cool. It's a lot of game playing. So. <sighs> this so, is tiring. You think, <laughs> uh, is it? Okay. This Why feels you- like a hard life to live like in this. And I mean, I guess I did. I mean, I will say, like I said, I was there, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Looking back now, I think why? What was the, why did I have to be like that? Mm. Well, and that the jealous part, like, mm-hmm. I think that people do that in friendships too, yeah. right? Like, yeah. oh yeah, we're not going to include me. Well, I'm going to go hang out with this person and then you're, then I'm going to post about it on my Instagram and my Facebook and my snap story. And you're going to see what I've been doing and know that I've been okay without you. It happens. Yeah. Or on the opposite end, people are just happy living their life and you see that and then you feel those feelings. Yes. So, I mean, okay, fair. same kind of thing. Like the intent may not be to rub it in. Yeah. But you, you walk away with that belief that that's what, what's happening. Well, yeah, because Facebook is all about the good stuff, right? That's and true. Envy everybody else's life. But. Right. Well, and I often yeah. say that, like, you know, with that comparison stuff, like, you are comparing your actual reality to everyone else's highlight reel. So true. Yeah. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Um, okay. So then this next part about dating is that um, anxious styles, so anxious people are more likely to date avoidant style people. So... Um, <laughs> these are just I feel like this is gonna feed off of each other I'm just saying that before we walk into this yeah yeah I think so and so like if you are in the dating pool and you're looking to date somebody like you as an anxious person you're more likely to be dating an avoidant person or um, you might get a secure person but more likely avoidant and here's why so avoidance tend to end their relationships more frequently so avoidance are more available in the dating pool (laughs) they're just like they're avoiding the connection and you were the next person on the list yes yes (laughs) and then they walk away and they create that repetitive touch the stove reaction yes (laughs) yes oh my god right so they're more likely to find someone that has an avoidant attachment style because they don't stay in relationships Hmm. Um, securely attached people find their partners early on and commit to a relationship so it takes a very long time before they re-enter the dating pool if they do it at all so isn't that interesting? Yeah. That like um that you're that it's harder to find a secure person because they're taken already. Yeah. I mean, like, not to be discouraging. This is what the book said. But <laughs> but if you look at the dating scene, like I have some single friends and they mm-hmm. talk about like the online dating and all of those things. That's mm-hmm. exactly what they say. Yeah. Like it, you know, it's just it's not the people that they're really looking for because they don't have that ability to connect in a certain way or or whatever yeah. the case may be. But yeah, yeah, that makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And then uh, avoidant people don't date each other because they lack the emotional glue to keep the relationships together. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So you're more most likely as an anxious person looking to date, you're either going to date um, another anxious person, 
uh, an avoidant or or a securely attached. Like you have options for all three. But those avoidant people, they don't date themselves. So they're either going to be with a secure person or an anxious person. They'll go on one date and be like, yeah. It's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing here. Right. There's not right. There's like there's there's no connection at all that keeps them engaged in that. Neither one of them want one. Right. So interesting. Okay, sorry. Next, no, no, next no. week. Next week. That's right. right. That's right. So um so what's interesting about this, and like talking about how anxious styles would be good for um, reality TV, they get used to the activated feelings that they have in a relationship and they often equate that to love. So like they think these feelings of insecurity, these feelings of this up and down, that that must mean that you love them. And so then when they meet a secure person and the drama is limited, they aren't activated. Girl, this is so true. I know. And then you, <laughs> so it's like, that's when they say girls want bad boys. <laughs> you know, the emotionally unhealthy uh-huh. is really what they're saying. I know. It's exactly right. <laughs> so it says you question if it's a good relationship because you don't uh-huh. have that up and down. And so yeah. you're like, you know, it says that my bells aren't going off. So like, I'm not, I'm not having these warning signals. So like, this is because there's nothing for me to have to prove or do or right. Or there's work. no roller coaster. There's no, yeah. There's no up and down. <laughs> and so they're like, this is boring. This is not what I want. It actually is exactly what you want. Yeah. It is what you want. <laughs> Stay there. Hold yeah. tight. So it's that <laughs> they associate a calm attachment system with boredom and indifference. And then they risk losing out on a great partner. Because they're like, this isn't what, this isn't, this doesn't feel the same as all my other unhealthy relationships (laughs) that I did not marry. So this something must be wrong. I need to go back to the unhealthy ones that will not turn into anything. Yeah. But the reality (laughs) is that this is a good thing. So like, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We've said that before. Like, don't, don't get rid of something good, you know, because it it doesn't look like what you thought it should. Because it feels uncomfortable. Because it doesn't feel like it's it's different. Because it's different. It's different. Yeah. So it's interesting too, the anxious individuals uh, tend to get um, attached too quickly. They very quickly attach because they're wanting that intimacy. They're wanting to be mm, able to, that makes sense. to, you know, share their life with someone. Yeah. And so they, you know, they might even just attach based on looks. Like there may not have to be anything more there, but they, they're good looking. And so then they want to attach to that. And so they, <laughs> they align with it. And then when the person doesn't like, this looks so shiny engage, and new. Oh yeah. Oh, you're pretty. <laughs> I want you. Yeah. So. Um, an anxious partner. So if you're dating someone that's anxious, so I regardless of what your style is, if you're anxious, avoidant, or secure, if you are dating someone that's anxious, this is what your experience will be like. Okay. Then you will find that your partner wants a lot of closeness in a relationship. They're looking for that. They express insecurities and worries about rejection, hmm. which I think, I mean, even in a healthy relationship, I think you could talk about those things. I don't think just because you talk about it, it means that you're anxious. It's just right. like, do you hypervigilantly focus on it all the time? Right. Is this a 24-7 thought? Got it. Got it. Um, they're unhappy when they're not in a relationship. But that's that's a sign. Um, they play games to keep your attention or interest. Or uh, they have difficulty explaining what's bothering him or her, and they expect you to guess. That is an annoyance to me. We've talked about that. <laughs> I cannot stand that part. Like, do not expect someone to guess how you feel. Yeah. Blech. You have to say it. Oh, my goodness. You have to you, say it. You have to have the maturity <laughs> to express what you are needing. Yeah. It's so jacked up when you don't. So, yeah. Express. Don't make them guess. Um, your partner would act out. So, like, this is like throwing a fit, you know, um, being obnoxious in some way. They have a hard time not making things about him or her in the relationship. Like everything is filtered through themselves and what they see and like how you see them and how you treat them. And so uh, they, they let you set the tone of the relationship. 
So if someone is anxious, like they don't want, they're afraid that they're too much. They're afraid that they have too, too much needs. And so they let the person that they're dating set the tone for how, how much closeness there's going to be, how much contact there's going to be. And so like they're waiting because they, they don't want to be too much. And so they let the other person do that. Well, and that, that is, then that doesn't meet their need. And then that just kind of spins Correct. off on every other direction. And Correct. all the things we talked about. Yes. Okay. That yep. makes sense. Yep. And they're preoccupied with a relationship. Like they think about it all the time. Like it just consumes them. And two more, they fear that small acts will ruin the relationship and that believe him or her must work hard to keep their interest. And so like they think that they've got to keep engaging them or they're going to lose out. And so it's like this constant work. Like it's not about loving me for me. It's about what can I do for you? How can I prove that I'm worthy of this? And it's like these actions all the time. So sad. Mm -hmm. But it is, but I will say that was one of the ones I, I, was very good at like if I just made sure the house was clean if I made sure the the Mm. dishes were done or the dinner was cooked right like those are my my acts of here's all the things that I think you probably should want or will want or do want and so I'm gonna do them all and then when I didn't do them I'd carry that around with me yeah yeah man and so then that that indicates that the only value you have is in what you can do for someone yeah and not who you are as a person so true which is which is not the case right right the case you're right people are gonna love you for you Yes, that, that you find that person. <laughs> and so the last one that your partner would do if they're anxious is they are suspicious that you would be unfaithful. That they're constantly worried that you're doing something, that you're cheating on them or finding someone else better because they don't believe that they're good enough and that they, they don't think that you're going to want to be with them. And so they totally ex- expect you to cheat on them because there has to be someone better out there for them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, you're, you're making a face at me. How I'm do you just, feel about I'm that? I'm just sitting here thinking that was probably that was literally the first ten years of my relationship with my husband. I just I just kept waiting for that shoe to drop. And so, yeah. so looking back and re- you know going through these attachment styles, I can see, I can see a lot of these things that I did. Yeah. Um, I can see when I backslide now. Mm-hmm. I can see you know when I start to feel that that settle in and I'm like, Oh wait, I got to stop. I got to rein myself back in. This is not, this is not how a relationship works. But if that's all, you know, yeah, like, ah, it's, it's so hard. It's so hard to be in it and not realize the, the chaos that kind of comes into the relationship with you when you bring that, that attachment style in. Yeah, it really is. It's like, if I think about it, I'm so like, I'm going to go home and hug my husband because I'm so shocked that he stayed. Yeah. So that, that's sweet. He's such a good egg. He is. <laughs> he is. He's a very sarcastic egg, but he's a good one. <laughs> he's a good one. Um, then, okay. Then this next section is about like modern dating and kind of um, what the expectations are. So you hear this, you know, like you heard it probably like, I don't know, in the 70s or 80s, it'd say, you know, you get asked that on a date. I have to wash my hair. Like I can't do it. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, right. That's funny. So modern dating advice encourages you not to be too available. And then to say that you're busy, even when you aren't like not to call him. And um, it's accurate that these behaviors may make you more attractive, but to the wrong kind of person. So like Mm. if you're being aloof and like, and like not being available, yes, you may be attracted to someone, but it's not going to be a secure person. You're going to be attracting an avoidant person. Yeah. And so they're okay with you hanging out, late waiting, not, not yeah. being too clingy. And right. You're like, oh, great. She just, she's busy. Okay. I'll do my own thing. Because <laughs> as we will learn in next week is that the avoidance are wanting, they're worried about losing their freedom. Yeah. And so then this makes them think, oh yeah, I can date this person. I'm going to still have my freedom. But this also allows someone else to set the rules for the amount of intimacy in the relationship. And then it, it's ignoring your own needs. And so we said that for the last section. And then when you end up showing your true colors and expressing your needs for intimacy, that avoidant partner will not be able to give it to you. 
Yeah. And so like you're wasting your time then. If you're not being yourself in this, you are wasting your time because eventually like the mask will come off and you will show your true colors. And then if, if that person hasn't seen that yet, then they may not want to have anything to do with it. It's like, oh, yep. you have, you're, you are in fact too needy for me because I didn't even know you had needs. I, I've been going along thinking this is okay. And then you have needs and I didn't know them. And so then you're just wasting your time. And so you really need to be your authentic self. Can I tell you how many times I've heard that from people entering into relationships, friends and whatnot over the years? Like, oh, you know, we got to this point and then it just it just went badly. Like mm -hmm. he just walked away or whatever the case may be. And I think to myself now, like how many of those times were was it because you weren't who you were going yep. into it and they got two months in and were like, yeah, this is this is not what I thought it was going to yeah. be. That's so crazy it is. to think that it just like just simple choices and decisions that you make yes. as you enter into these relationships are going to have that impact. Right. So, so lasting or not lasting. Ugh. Yes. <laughs> so you have to be yourself. And, you know, and again, if you think that uh, this is a place that you need to heal, like go get some counseling, get some therapy about how to um, really shift that style and shift your thinking, mm -hmm. you know, find a friendship, some, find someone that's securely attached and you can tell that and um, ask them to rub off on you, so to speak, like spend some time with them and like, show me your ways. Like, you know, talk to them about the situations and scenarios in your life that, you mm -hmm. know, the, the, the relationships that you've had and where they've kind of gone off, off, you know, off course and say, what, what, you know, what happened? Let's look yep. back and kind of walk through these and see if there was something I could do differently or yep. why I'm doing this, you know, now in this, these relationships. Yeah. So. Well, ask someone to mentor you. Say, hey, yeah. you know, can we talk through these things? And so like, I want things to be different. And so I think that's important. And so we, so we want you to be yourself, but, but if you find that these things are broken in your life, find a way to heal it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. both things. So then, um, what I want you to consider this next section is like, if you were dating an avoidant partner. So why this matters is because a lot of times, if you're not dating someone secure, you're going to be dating someone avoidant as an anxious person. So mm -hmm. this is what you'll see when you're dating an avoidant partner. They send mixed messages about his or her feelings towards you or about their commitment to you. They long for an ideal relationship, but give subtle hints that it will not be with you. Like, not terrible. That's <laughs> terrible. I'm like, dude, that does not feel good at all. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Desperately wants to meet the one, but somehow always finds some fault in the other person or in the circumstances that make commitment impossible. Um, they disregard your emotional well-being, and when confronted, they continue to disregard it. So when you say, hey, you're not, mm. you know, I've got some needs. I'm okay. like, so? Like they don't, they, they don't change Big that. Big flashing much. sign. Yeah. <laughs> if, they're, if they can't like attune to that. Um, they would suggest that you're too needy, sensitive or overreacting and thus invalidating your feelings and making you second guess, guess yourself. It's like they're saying you're too much. They tell you you're too much. Um, when they, you may not be too much, right? You're just too much for them because yeah. they aren't emotionally available, which we'll talk about next week. <laughs> um, they ignore things you say that inconvenience him or her, and they don't respond or change the top. They don't respond, but they change the topic instead. Like they're not going to engage with you about the things that, um, that inconvenience them. <laughs> they address your concerns as, like you're in a court of law, responding to the facts without taking your feelings into account. Mm. as a clinician that hurts my heart like oh you're not thinking about feelings I think about feelings more than I should <laughs> the facts probably <laughs> um and then your messages don't get across despite your best efforts to communicate your needs he or she does not seem to get the message or they ignore it so as a an anxious person if you're dating an avoidant person then this is what you would see these are the the Got it. The, the holes in the relationship these are the things also that make you go back to those earlier things that we talked about and change the behaviors. Your behaviors change in this relationship mm -hmm. because of a result of these actions in some ways. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> yeah. And so but these aren't the specific things like they can, there could be some kind of variant in this. Yeah. Um, but, but essentially the relationship, um, it goes hand in hand with a strong message that your emotional needs are not so important to him or her. So like if you're getting the message that your emotional needs don't matter, then you are likely with an avoidant person. Do we get to, to, is there an episode where we talk about how to influence that in someone's life? Like how to, how to change someone, well, your partner, like help them understand where they're at and get them to the next stage? It's 1-800-GET-HELP. I'm, I'm just kidding. I don't know if that's a real phone number. I'm just being silly. But um, yeah. Call a shrink. Right, right. Yeah. Get a therapy appointment. Um, you know, honestly, I think it's important. We have to consider the individual because if, if you know this, I said this all the time, yes, you can lead yes. a horse to water, you can't make him drink. So if the person isn't ready for the changing, then it's not going to do any good. And so then it's like the person that needs to do the changing has to realize they need to change and then seek it out. And so like, I don't know that we can, we can, um, force our partner to change, you know, we can call it out and hope that they see it, you know, and maybe you have to end a relationship over it, but, um, they're going to have to be the ones that want to see the change or it won't matter. So I think that's important. Okay. Your face looks kind of sad. It is kind of sad. I mean, just thinking about the, the people who are alone and don't even understand why, because mm-hmm. they don't know the, gen, you know, what you're teaching them, the gen yeah. education session. Well, <laughs> well, so then uh, this last little section that I want to cover is about like emotions and reactions that um, someone that's and thoughts that someone that's anxious has in their relationships. So anxious connections have these thoughts. They tend to think they're a mind reader. Um, like that's it. I know she's leaving. They, or I know he's leaving. They make a decision that they know what to expect. Uh, they have thoughts like I'll never find anyone else. I knew this was too good to last. They engage in all or nothing thinking, which you talked about before. Mm-hmm. I've ruined everything. There's nothing I can do to mend this situation. Um, they have thoughts of he or she can't treat me this way. I'll show them. They, they say, I knew something would go wrong. Nothing ever works out right for me. Mm-mm. These are some cognitive distortions yeah, yeah, we talked yeah, about yeah. before. I was just thinking that. Mm-hmm. I have to talk to her or him right now. Like I need to go right now to go see them. I've got, I've got to do it right now. Um, he or she'd be better off crawling, excuse me, he or she'd better come crawling back to, to beg for my forgiveness. Otherwise they can forget about me forever. <laughs> That's an empowered, anxious person. I think person. I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, maybe if I look drop dead gorgeous or act seductive, things will work out. Um, he or she is so amazing. Why would she want to be with me anyway? Like these self-deprecating. Mm, yeah. Remembering all the good things your partner did and said after calming down from a fight. Like those are, you have a tendency to do that. Or you might be recalling only the bad things your partner has ever done when you're fighting. Yeah. Like you just pull them out and throw yep, them all yep. out. Mm-hmm. You wear them. Yes. Like a dress. Uh, the emotions that an anxious person would feel. Sad, angry, and fearful. Resentful, frustrated, or depressed. Hopeless, despairing. Jealous, hostile, vengeful, guilty, self-loathing, restless, uneasy, humiliated, hate-filled, uncertain, agitated, rejected, unloved, lonely, misunderstood, and unappreciated. There are no positive emotions on that list. I was just going to say. Like, where's the good? There's nothing that you feel good about. Man. Right. And like, yeah, you are not holding good emotions. That's hard. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so these are the actions. And we've kind of talked a little bit about these two, but someone that's anxious in a relationship, they have a tendency to act out. Um, They are attempt to reestablishing contact at any cost. Like they do whatever they can to get contact. They would pick a fight. Um, they wait for the other person to make the first reconciliation move. 
They threaten to leave. They act hostile. They roll their eyes and look disdainful. Um, you try to make him or her feel jealous. You act busy or unapproachable. You withdraw. You stop talking to your partner or turn away from him or, his or, him or her physically. And you act manipulatively. It's like, like just kind of, you can see the picture. We're painting yeah. a picture for yeah. someone that's in a, an anxious attachment style is that they have a hard time believing and trusting what their partner is saying and, pre- and presenting to them. So yeah. they, they see all the holes in it. They see all the things that are wrong. They see all the things that could go wrong. And then they think it's their fault. And so like this, this person has learned that they can't trust themselves. Right. I know we talked a lot through this, so but I think that's a good summary of, of what those those traits are and, and mm-hmm. how that affects. That's a really great summary of what we've just kind of talked about. It makes my heart hurt a little bit, though, to think that someone would own so much of that and carry so much of that, and I just want them to to know that you don't have to stay there, that it isn't, it isn't all on you. Right. And so I think there's some healing that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this, too, that, like, you don't have to stay here, that just because you've come into an anxious attachment, it doesn't mean you can't find the secure one. Right. And so it's about, like, really understanding what's true and what's real, mm-hmm. you know, and, and grasping hold of that. And, and understanding that that's going to take some time. Yep. It's not something you unlearn overnight. Those, be- those things are going to still kind of bubble back up. But being able to have some clarity, have some awareness, and, and identify them um, as, as you're going through it and as they bubble up, then, you know, you're, you're, more, you're more apt to stop and say, what should I be doing and question yeah. it. And so yes. you can get there. You can. And so we want to say again, like, be your authentic self. Like, yeah. don't feel like you have to play games. Just be yourself and you will find the person that, that wants to connect with you. If there's things that you need to work on and, and to improve on, get find somebody to do that with. Either a professional or find a mentor or a good friend that feels secure and that you feel safe with, that you trust. Right. Yep. And so, um, and then do every, <laughs> do what you can to change. Like, it's okay. You can do those things. So, all right. So the next time we're going to talk about is the avoidant personality uh, type or the attachment style. So, uh, yeah, avoidant attachment, attachment style. style. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and that one's interesting too. I, you know, it is. Oh man. So I can't <laughs> wait to do that. So, uh, so next week we're going to talk about that next time when we bust some biscuits.